When I first learned the Lord's Prayer, it was full of strange and confusing words. I didn't really know what I was saying, but I knew that it was special. I knew that it was important. Well, I mean, what makes it so special? I think the easy answer is that, well, Jesus gave it to us. Jesus said it. Well, that's the answer for every question in Sunday school, isn't it? Why are we reading this? Jesus. Absolutely. That's right. Jesus did say it. This is Jesus' prayer, and that's something that's very special, but it's more. It's more than just that. It's not just a prayer. It is Jesus telling us what he has come for and what he is about. And as we dig into the second verse of the prayer today, I really think that's the key message that we want to remember, that this prayer is the core of Jesus' gift to us. And so today we're going to take a look. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know what kind of picture you get in your head when you think of a kingdom. Maybe it's a king with a crown, beautiful red robes, and a giant chair. And God's sitting on a great chair in heaven. Or maybe it's the picture of heaven that you see in cartoons. of These people in white gowns, silver halos that sit on fluffy clouds and play the harp. So if heaven is coming to earth, then maybe we're all just supposed to take up the harp and learn to sing Kumbaya together. Yeah? Maybe? Well, what is this? I think if we're going to understand this line of this very important prayer, it starts with understanding what God's kingdom looks like and what Jesus was talking about when he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it look like for God's kingdom to come to earth? You see, Jesus wasn't a king here on earth. He wasn't seen that way. In fact, Jesus was born in a very humble, very young parents in a manger. That's the Christmas story. A few years after he was born, King Herod tried to kill all of the babies, and he ran off to Egypt as a refugee, and he lived there for several years as a refugee in a foreign country with very little. When they finally came back, he lived in the small town of Nazareth, where he grew up with humble parents. He probably experienced hunger from time to time. He could have even witnessed a lot of pain and suffering around him. He learned to work with his hands. He learned the trade of a carpenter and experienced life very much like we do, seeing both the goodness as well as the brokenness in the world around him. He lived in a place where his people had been taken over by the Romans, where other people were controlling his territory and powerful people were oppressing the weak. He lived there through these experiences. And so one day, he stands up to give the people a picture of the kingdom of God, to start his ministry and to proclaim what is to come. I think Jesus stands up very aware of the brokenness that he saw around him, very aware of the pain that sin causes, very aware that this world is not perfect, and yet God still has a plan. And so Jesus stands up in Nazareth, and he says in Luke chapter 4, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, as he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. 
the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So this message, this moment, this is Jesus' first sermon, as far as we can tell from the book of Luke. At this point, he comes back to his hometown, right, which is not Jerusalem. It's not the capital. It's not a big, fancy, important place. It's a small town, a small working town full of ordinary people. And he goes to the regular synagogue, one he probably went to as a boy. And on every Sabbath, as he opens up the scroll, he proclaims this very powerful truth that this testament, this word of Isaiah, has been fulfilled because he's there and he is beginning his ministry in that moment. And his ministry is this. He's been sent to do what? To preach good news to the poor. Sent to proclaim release to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is Jesus' purpose. This is his mission. It's to do all of these things, to bring restoration, reconciliation, to bring healing and connectedness back to the people that have been oppressed and that have been hurt, who, who need this kind of freedom. Jesus in this passage is proclaiming that he has come to bring God's kingdom to earth, a kingdom where the poor, the prisoners, the hurting are free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It may not be familiar with that term, but in the Old Testament, when the law was given, there was a time, this thing called the year of Jubilee, where every 50th year or so, sometimes it says every seventh year, they would have this year of Lord's favor. What happened during that year is that everything got set back right. That was kind of the purpose of it. They didn't farm crops. God provided enough so that they had all that they needed. Land that had been sold or transferred was returned to its original families. People who had been sold into slavery were set free. And the people who lived in this year of celebration, they lived in harmony, they lived in peace, where they were one with God and they relied on God. People were set free. So Jesus is coming proclaiming that this is the day. That today, from here on out, he's come to restore the world. He's come to bring God's kingdom to earth, and it starts today. When we think about Jesus and we think about his kingdom, we think about his ministry. God's purpose for Jesus has been, and always will be, reconciliation. Reconciliation of us to God, but also with creation, to take away the brokenness that's come around us and to restore it to what God envisions it to be. The theologian Joshua Ryan Butler says it like this. God's purpose is not to get us out of earth and into heaven. It's to reconcile heaven and earth. God has given Jesus the authority as his resurrected king to establish this kingdom reality on earth as it is in heaven. We believe in the new heaven and the new earth concept if we find comfort in the words at the end of the book. After his resurrection, Jesus declares, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. God's reason for giving Jesus the authority is now found in the words of Paul, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, that is Christ. In Christ, God's purpose is to reunite that which sin has torn asunder, to thread the ribbed fabric of creation back together again. Jesus' resurrection brings the earth back from exile into the glorious heavenly presence of God. Jesus reconciles heaven and earth. 
So Jesus' purpose from this sermon, from this moment, is reconciliation. A complete and holistic reconciliation. It's not about one day getting us to puffy white clouds where we can all play our harps. It's about bringing heaven to earth here and now in us and around us to seeing God's kingdom changed and transformed and restored. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful picture of what this scripture and what this part of the prayer means. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants this heavenly kingdom of peace, of justice, of freedom to become reality for all of us here on earth. Not just in some future time, but starting here, today. Reverend Tyron Gordon says, If all of God's children got shoes in heaven, as the spiritual says, then we ought to make sure all of God's children have shoes on their feet on earth. If all of God's children have a robe in heaven, then we ought to make sure that all of God's children are clothed here on earth. If we have a mansion in heaven, then we ought to make sure that all of God's children have housing here on earth. If there is no sickness in heaven, then we ought to be the forefront of fighting to make sure that all of God's children have access to adequate health care here on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' vision for all of us is this complete overhaul of heaven and earth becoming one. Because heaven is glimpsed in you, in all of us here on earth. It is this beautiful coming together of the kingdom. But how does that happen? How does Jesus do this? What does that mean for all of us? Well, I think Jesus does this on the cross. Jesus starts this and ends this with the cross. He proclaims this ministry of restoring heaven and earth. And at the cross, he does exactly that. He conquers death in the resurrection. He's victorious forever over death and in the brokenness of sin in this world. He restores our relationship with God so that we can be reconciled to God. It's perfect. It's beautiful. But Jesus also does something else in all of this, something that takes this this work of Jesus that is fulfilled completely on the cross, but passes it on to us in a very powerful way. So you see, Jesus said something at the very beginning of his first sermon in Nazareth. I think it's important for us to consider in verse 18. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. See, when Jesus stepped up to give that first sermon, it was right after he'd been tempted in the wilderness which was right after he'd been baptized by John in the Jordan River. And if you remember that story when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And he was filled and anointed for this ministry. That was about to be accomplished. So when Jesus stands up and he proclaims the kingdom, he proclaims it to the people, he's saying, what is to come? This is what we are called to do. He does it filled with the power of the Spirit, with the power of God. And that's what the Spirit is. It's God's light. It's God's power. It's heaven at work in each one of us. And so as Jesus proclaims this ministry and this purpose, he's also showing us what it looks like to be a people. To be a people that are filled with God's Spirit. If you remember what happens after the cross, after Jesus' resurrection, after Jesus is taken into heaven, after the ascension, after Jesus works from home, the Spirit of God descends at Pentecost on the believers, on the people that are gathered there that day. The Spirit of God is poured out onto the disciples. They're filled with the Spirit. They're filled with power, and they begin to 
accomplish this kingdom work. The Apostle Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All of this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making this appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I hope that he would give you eyes to look to see where the light of heaven needs to be shined. Because some days it's hard to see it. Some days it may be hard to believe that heaven is breaking in here on earth and is coming to this earth and is coming into this place because sometimes when you look, all you can see is brokenness. But when you let the light that is in you shine to others, the kingdom comes. His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Jesus, we need your help. As you began your ministry in Nazareth, as you proclaimed what your kingdom is and will be, we set our hands to work, our hearts to love, to be peacemakers, children of God, who follow your way, who work for your kingdom. Give us the grace we need so that we might live in a way where your kingdom breaks in, breaks into our world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for worshiping with us today. My hope is that as we've studied Jesus' words, or what we call the Lord's Prayer, that you've been open to discover more about who Jesus is, what Jesus can mean in your life. I would encourage you that whether you've been a church member for a while or you're just kind of checking us out online, that Trinity can be the place for you to help you discover more about who Jesus is and your place in his story of love. I want to remind you that you matter to God, that Jesus loves you, that Jesus died for you and he rose to give us all new life. And that means there's a tomorrow and a hope-filled future for you. I'd love to talk with you more about who Jesus is and more about how we at Trinity can support you in your spiritual journey. Please reach out to us. Check us out at trinitymullicahill.org forward slash next steps.